Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz. I want to welcome you all to episode number 35 of our podcast. So on today's podcast, I'm really excited about this episode because I'm I'm kind of sharing something in a different range and we have a special guest on the show today. So today we feature Kat Blake and Kat is a divorce coach. And I know that sounds interesting and that sounds like a, a step in a different direction than maybe some of the guests that we've currently had on the podcast. But I was really excited to have Kat on the podcast because for one, I've seen a lot of her content showing up in my space. Uh, we got connected, I believe, through a mutual friend from Facebook and it was consistently showing up, showing up in my newsfeed. And a lot of the messages that she was sharing weren't just about getting divorced, weren't just about how to cope with that. It, it was more about how to develop yourself so that you can be the most peaceful version of yourself at the other end of your divorce. And the truth is, is that this podcast isn't just about getting abs. This podcast isn't about strictly focusing on fitness and health. I would say the majority of the things that we focus on on the show have to do with how you show up in the world. And the thing that I wanted to share from really this conversation with Kat is how to really set yourself up to be a better you in every walk of your life and understand yourself. And so in this podcast, we do dive into the specifics of what a divorce coach does. What does a divorce coach specifically do and how her own and how her own story as a therapist led her to become a divorce coach based off of her own experiences in the process of her own divorce. But beyond that, we talk about how to shift from your emotional to your logical brain. We talk about how to identify certain habits and patterns that are holding you back from creating the most empowered you that you can be. And all at the same time, how to structure your life through the power of journaling. And there's so many different pieces that we really dive into that go over how to break through what Catherine describes as the vulnerable place where we're getting to the root cause of what's causing our actions and emotions. So I was really excited about this podcast. Like I said, I, I do expect that this is more of a relationship conversation than just strictly a divorce conversation. And I would implore you to go about it with that mindset, go about it with the identity that this is about how to improve your relationship, whether that's your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with yourself, really being able to lean into a lot of the topics that we talk about here. I just, I just feel so compelled that this episode has the power to restructure the way that a lot of people go about their relationships. And maybe it's top of mind for me as someone who's getting ready to get married. And at the same time, I've had a lot of people in my space who have done one or two things. So I've worked with a lot of clients who have, been in positions where their relationships have been the biggest reason why they're not in shape. So their relationships were either falling apart and that was holding them back from taking action. They were in a position where their divorce had just happened and that was making it really difficult for them to value themselves. And there are so many different aspects of that process when you're dealing with other people that makes it so 
all the other things in your life take a backseat to you. And that's one really big reason why I was compelled to have Kat on the podcast. But one other thing is I've seen it frequently, whether that's through my friends, through different relationships that I have, and just currently in my top of mind focus is that a lot of people are going about relationships in a way that they're seeking an outcome rather than seeking happiness. I've seen a lot of people in conversations talk about how marriage is going to fix their relationship, how I need to marry her because she's going to be a great mother or I just need to make this decision. And I really wanted to have this conversation with Kat about relationships and and valuing yourself and understanding how to set yourself up to identify the habits that were holding you back so that you don't bring the person you are right now to the next relationship. It's like you can change your location, you can change everything in your life, but if you aren't changing you, then nothing's gonna change. And so Kat really did a really amazing job of laying that out on this podcast. We did go over some special audience questions. So we had three specific audience questions that I laid out in the podcast. And overall, I just think this is an amazing episode for anyone who is either struggling in a relationship, is in a relationship, or who, quite frankly, has been going through a divorce. And I hope that this reaches the right people. I hope that it reaches you. And I hope that you get some tangible benefit from it because this isn't just about the body. This is about everything that we do in our lives to make ourselves healthy. And so you can find Kat at catblakecdc.com. You can also follow her on Facebook. And Kat actually just put out a online course that she's extremely excited about that is called The Pathway Through Divorce. Eight lessons that will help you not just get through your divorce, but to find peace and keep your integrity during the process. And so if you want to learn more about that, I put the link in the bio, or you can check it out at catblakecdc.com, and there's a membership site that you can gain access to her eight-week course there too. And so on that note, what I want to say is, first off, thank you all for the support of the podcast. I've been thinking a lot about the podcast, and I I would like to change some things up, but I've been recently starting to get on a few podcasts of myself. And I, I want to look at this more as a radio station for you guys. As you're listening, wherever you're listening from, the podcast has been slowly growing and I love it. It's so cool and it's so exciting to be able to reach you and, and connect with you, whatever you're going through in your life and in your journey. But I, I would be really interested to hear more about who and what you want me to cover as I'm going through this process of really articulating the kind of content that I want to put out. Obviously, this is a huge step for the podcast. This is a totally different conversation. And I want to know who you want me to bring on. What kind of conversations would be the most valuable to you? What would be more entertaining? Do you like my standalone episodes? Do you like it when we do a shorter form podcast? Is it the guests? Do you want to see more people who are in relationships or business coaches? What can we do on this episode or on this podcast rather to bring you the most value in your days? I'm really, so right now I'm in this like interesting space personally where I'm not overly concerned with thinking about anything but giving as much value away as possible. I want to provide just so much value that we shine as a team, as a team of people. Like I look at 
you all as part of my team. If you're listening to this podcast, I consider you a part of my team. And I might not know you, I might not see you, but you're showing up and it's really amazing to see. And so as we're going through this process, I would be so happy and grateful if you left us a review on iTunes. Just let me know what you're loving about the podcast, where we could grow, and what would you like to see more of? And when I say where we can grow, I don't mean like numbers. I mean like where could we lean into that would provide you with the greatest amount of value. So this is my two cents. I would really appreciate it. Just go to iTunes, click on the iTunes My Journey app, little icon, go to the bottom and just leave a quick review. Five stars, of course, because you love me. And <laughs> we can just kind of segue from there and really build a powerful community. Um, yeah, that's about it. I want to share something that's been really cool on my mind, though, before we segue into the conversation with Kat. And I have this idea. So following up from last week, I talked about the value of suffering. And what I really tried to articulate is this idea that what you're going through is something to embrace rather than shy away from. And, and fitness is amazing because you get to simulate suffering. You get to simulate stress. You put your body under so much tension that it allows you to grow. And I was going through this process of like, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be creating? And how am I supposed to be showing up in the world? And I had this thought, I'm like, you know what? You, you don't have to do a contest. You don't have to be a marathon runner. You can just stand on your own and be in amazing shape. And also this body that you have is not the manifestation of your body image. So your body and your body image is totally different. And this came from a conversation I was having with a friend of mine who we're going to have on the podcast soon. His name is Tony. And I really have been leaning into that. So for you all in this process, like I'm going to be carrying the torch. I really am passionate about pushing myself in an intense way. And my work has been amazing. And I'm going to be announcing a special documenting process that I'm um, starting in the future. So stay tuned, um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, check it out, follow me on Facebook, do all that stupid stuff. Um, but I, I really want to document the process of just revitalizing your life and just living with passion and, and having happiness and joy be the chief principle of the way that you lead. And the reason why is because I feel like in fitness and wellness, it's so granola. It's so much this blank stamp plan that we're all supposed to do. You need to track your macros. You need to train this much. Are you intermittent fasting? It's like, where are you putting time in for joy and fun and things that bring you inherent value based off of you doing them that aren't creating a disillusion from reality? Because I would say that drinking can be fun, but if you're just drinking to drink and you're not actually connecting with people, then that's not fun. And if you are in the process of spending money that you don't have to avoid things, that's not very fun too. So pushing yourself is fun. Playing music for me is fun. Having all these things that build us up and allow us to raise our quality of life is the ultimate goal of what I'm really trying to put out into the space. So just a thought on my mind that I want to share with you as you're going through your journey today, as you listen to this episode, try to find something that will just spark a different idea in you. Maybe it's something you could share with a friend. Maybe it's something you can internalize. Uh, I really love the idea of that Kat brought up about journaling and the process of being able to detach from the person that you thought you used to be. So a lot of times in divorce, 
Kat brings up that you have this identity, you have to change it. I think that we all can deal with that. We all struggle with identity. I've, I've dealt with that myself, whether that's as a bodybuilder or now as this coach who is trying to help people revitalize their life in so many different ways than just looking at the body. And so your identity can be broken from. And I think that if you can go into this podcast with just and just today, if you can just go in today with some sense of energy and vitality and just realize that there's something you can do right now that's going to build you to a better place overall, then we've served our purpose and it's going to be a home run. So thank you all so much. I love you all. You are amazing freaking people. And without further ado, here's Cat Blake. Cat Blake, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I, I shared this to you before we came on the show, but I'm really excited for this conversation, whether it's speaking about the specific tactics that you use with your clients or talking about how to break through personal trauma or any of the different things that come along with relationships. Uh, I'm just really excited about this conversation and really grateful to have you here. Awesome. Very good. And, and so my first question is, what is the chief focus of a divorce coach? Like, what does that actually look like from your eyes? So, well, I will tell you, divorce coaching is relatively new. It hasn't been around very long. Um, so I personally came to it as 20 plus years as a child and family therapist. And basically a divorce coach is like many other coaches. I'm holding your hand as you get through the divorce process, but I'm also helping you navigate the legalities of it, helping you identify which is the best way for you to get through it, um, how do you get your paperwork organized? What do you ask for in your divorce? So as you know, divorce is a pretty emotional, grueling transition for most people. And they tend to come at it from their lizard brain. Like they're feeling pretty hypervigilant. They're fearful of losing their finances, their home, time with their children, everything. And so I help them manage the emotions in a way where they are able to get through the grief process, but they're able to contain those emotions and think logically to get them through divorce. And so the good thing is at the end of the day, people save their integrity, their ability to co-parent, even with the high conflict X, but they're also saving tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees. So that's my goal. And so what is the difference between a divorce coach and maybe like, a, I don't want to say like a therapist for divorces, but someone who is more specifically in that area? So I, so I like to share my own personal information. So I am a trained psychoanalyst, a child and family therapist. And um, for me, going through my own high conflict divorce, therapy was extremely helpful. There is a time and a place and a need for therapy. The thing with therapy, I think that um, where I found that it lacked a little bit is that therapy is all about your past and how it's impacting your presence. And as a coach, my goal is to get you moving forward. So I'm helping a lot of my women come out of sometimes emotionally abusive relationships, um, relationships with high conflict personalities. I'm helping my women move forward. I'm helping them have a good positive mindset as they go forward. I'm not gonna let you stay stuck in a victim mentality. So to me, that's, that's the big difference. And it's also reminding you that you know divorce, even though it's horrible and grueling and it seems like it's taking forever, it is a temporary transition. There is life on the other side. Mm. that's powerful and I think it's a really powerful distinction even from my standpoint as a fitness coach um, I, I like I said before we got on like it's more of like a lifestyle blend and a lot of it is breaking through 
negative habits of eating or whatever that belief is. And so I, I really love how you articulate that. Absolutely. Well, but, as you know, as a coach, I mean, the mindset issues that get people in trouble with their as they're going through divorce are the same mindset issues that they had prior to the divorce. Mm. So let's. So not only are people getting through the divorce, but hopefully I'm helping them go into their future um, open-hearted with a healthy set of beliefs and GPS system to help them make future better decisions. Mm, that's powerful. So, and I can only imagine it must be amazing when you see that shift. Like, what what is the typical? I know this is off off the tangent, but like, what is the typical? return that you see as the coach? Like what, what are the breakthroughs or the pieces that you enjoy the most? Um, well, just any feedback that I get through my, I mean, it's amazing to like, I, like I wish I could videotape some of my clients who come in so beaten down and so afraid and three, four, five months later, they're coming in, their, their shoulders are back, they're walking confidently. Um, they've rediscovered parts of themselves that they've lost in their marriage which I think is amazing because I think a lot of us get into the role of spouse and full-time employee and, you know, parenting and, and this and that, and you forget who you are as an individual. So it's, it's really helping people just, you just can feel it. You know, you feel their energy, they're confident, they're good. They're not um, coming out the other end of divorce, bitter and angry at their ex nor at their attorneys, which is what you see a lot of across the board when people aren't working with coaches. And that just, that just keeps you hung up and stuck. You're again, you're you're not moving forward. You're stuck in that anger, that rage, and that victim mentality. It, it's fascinating because I've had clients who have been in that other space where they they were in that victim mentality, and it took them breaking from that in order for them to have any kind of change. So from your standpoint, like the value that you're adding through that process is so crucial. Um, I wanted to segue though and, and really understand, so you're in this, you know, position where you were working with people and you, you were obviously trained in psychotherapy and, and everything and the like, what really caused you, what was the shift in your journey to say like, you know what, this is really where my passion lies and how I want to serve people. So I think I, myself, um, I like to tell people I have a very generous ex who has brought me back to court multiple times. I've been divorced for 10 years. Um, so I got to learn the system and the ins and outs a little bit. And for me, I realized probably years post-divorce that I wasn't emotionally free. I had not healed from my own divorce. I was still stuck. And I think that by me signing on to my own coaching program, I, and by the way, it was a business coach, <laughs> um, opened my eyes to how much healing I needed to do, um, what my triggers were, the traumas that I had experienced. You know, I think I went through life being like, I'm tough and I'm a survivor and I'm resilient, but I didn't allow myself to get into that vulnerable spot and allow myself to grieve and move forward. Mm -hmm. So it was really, for me, when I saw how powerful coaching was, that's, and I found the divorce coaching training program, I just jumped right on board. That's powerful. What, um, so what, what was the transition like for you? Um, I think it was just me wanting to take control, you know, um, you know, as a former type A kind of person, <laughs> when you have kids, you are in recovery, a type A person. Um, I think it was just wanting to feel like I had more control of everything, more control of my relationships, more control of the stress level in my life. 
uh, more control of my finances. And I wanted to be emotionally more present for my kid. I mean, I was really sort of in scarcity mindset, hustling, working two, three jobs, you know, barely seeing my daughter, um, feeling like all the good stuff in life I wasn't allowed to get because that's what other people got. That's what married people got, you know? I was still holding on to a lot of guilt because I initiated my divorce and I felt like I was the, the bad person for breaking up my family. So, um, yeah, it just, again, wanting, I, I don't think I even knew that that was a, a, an alternative, you mm -hmm. know? That's powerful. I love that. One of the questions that I had, and this is going to be more tactical in nature, and then we can kind of go to the bigger pieces, but what does it mean for someone to shift from their logic or their emotional to their logical brain? So what does that shift actually look like for someone who's in the process and maybe doesn't recognize it? Um, you mean as far as an example from a, what a client might? Yeah, or, or what, it, so like maybe like, what does it look like specifically? Like what, what does that actually mean? And, yep. and, and what does someone who's holding on to the emotional brain look like? It's almost like a before and after. Absolutely. So as you, you know, the emotional brain is our, um, it's our anxiety based. It's our survival and fear space. You know, it's actually at the bottom, the stem of our brain. Um, it's left over from when we were cavemen. So people are responding to things, getting thrown at them in court as if they were attacking a lion, right? Or have to get back to their cave and protect their family. So literally it's taking the time to think before you respond. It's not just doing that quick gut reaction. You know, you get a, you get a provocative text from your soon to be ex, you know, calling you names. You don't just fire off a text that is going to end up in your attorney's office. Your attorney's going to send it to that other attorney. They're going to make copies. The attorneys are going to chat about it. Next thing you know, you literally blew like, you know, $500 over a crappy text <laughs> because that's what people do going through divorce. So it's, it's taking time, it's weighing out, it's thinking before you speak, it's using I statements. Um, uh, it's just getting it you know, into that higher functioning logical brain where you can have some insight into how you're behaving. I have seen clients come into my office yelling, screaming, crying about, um, gosh, I just had a case last week where, about the dog, the family dog. How dare the soon-to-be ex allow this elderly dog walk up three flights of stairs? <laughs> like, it was something so crazy. Mm -hmm. And he had already spent hundreds of dollars dealing with the attorney's letters back and forth about the way the wife is treating the dog. And I, and I just said to him, I'm like, listen, let's think about this. What is the price for peace? Because when you go through a divorce, everybody loses. That's why I tell it. I'm like, there's no winners when you come out the divorce. So... The, the only thing you can do is maintain your integrity and keep an eye on the bigger picture and realize that there's battles that are just not worth fighting for. The attorneys are going to let you keep fighting, by the way, because you're going to keep blowing through attorney fees and they don't mind that. Mm. So, <laughs> Which is sad. and so for you, it's more about being able to actually keep them in a place of peace and, and also a peace of mind. Right. So they can look back at themselves as they went through their divorce and not be embarrassed or mm. not have regrets. They'll be like, I was my best self getting through that process. One thing I, I really loved as I was diving in your content is like, obviously there's, there's, there's the three transition points of, of a divorce. It's that there's kind of the before, 
there's the the actual process and then there's the afterwards yeah. my question was what advice would you have for people who are looking to resolve or there is hope to resolve in those situations because that was one thing you talked about is you still like it, there's different phases and you work with people in all different phases so right. for someone who is maybe in that first part where it's not aligned and they're thinking about it transitioning to actually taking action how does someone first off salvage their relationship and, and what are the signs that they still can so i actually have a pretty structured program and it's mostly through a set of questions and journaling um, and i sometimes work with the couples who are contemplating divorce or i work with one party of the couple um, but it's really looking at the reality of divorce and how it's going to impact your life you know, questions like, are you really ready to have a change in status and identity in your community, to your friends, to your family? Um, can you tolerate the idea of your soon-to-be ex dating? Do you, um, are you thinking about divorce because you have this secret fantasy that your ex is now going to get it? Or your ex is going to change because that never happens? Um, and I, to me, I mean, it's not my job to ever tell anybody whether or not they should stay together or not stay together. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not... For me to answer but if there is any motivation from both parties to work through it i highly encourage couples to then leave working with me and, and go on and work with a couples therapist so and, and i gotta tell you here's the thing a lot of couples come to divorce because they lost connection they're you know and i'm not saying this to be a sexist in any sexist way but you know here a lot of the dads are driving into boston and they're gone 10 12 hours a day working and the moms are stuck at home and they're stuck with the kids. And what happens is people become really polarized, mm -hmm. right? And dads tend to keep backing off because mom's doing all the kid work and moms are feeling like I don't have any help from dad and what have you. Those, that's fixable. Mm -hmm. It takes commitment and communication. <clears throat> I know that this is outside of necessarily the divorce conversation, mm -hmm. but what is the first step to reconnecting something like that? Like, is it having an open conversation? Is it, is it just being able to be vulnerable? Is it journaling? Like you said, journaling out the process? Like what, because like, in my mind, like obviously I want to touch on different bases, but if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, well maybe I'm at that first stage and I'm not sure what action to take. Like where, where do you go internally to, to find that answer? So it's, I use a lot of, um, you know, there's something called emotionally focused therapy. So it's getting to, you know, it's sort of like, here's the behavior, here's what people see and how they behave. But underneath of that is a, is a real vulnerable point. And a lot of, you know, I always, I, I, I don't know if you read my writing and thank you for doing research. I keep talking about how there's a real crisis of vulnerability in our culture. Like it's not acceptable for people to just be open and honest, you know, like Greeny Brown talks about it. Um, but often that behavior that we're seeing is masking something else. So again, if you look at like, you know, the typical midlife crisis, you know, this is maybe somebody who's like, I've been working, I've been providing, I don't feel sexy anymore. I feel like I'm just a money figure to my home. I don't feel connected to my kids. Well, I'm gonna, you know, go out and get divorced and start dating and okay, well maybe that makes you feel good for the moment, but it's not, it's not really going to address the emotional factor, the vulnerable factor that's not on the table. So it's really helping people get out on the table what's really going on. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Uh, I was talking to someone about this the other day. So obviously like what you do is, is very intense. 
I think that that goes without saying just because you are in a really high stake position for a lot of these people. And that takes a lot of vulnerability. In my position as a fitness and lifestyle coach, it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the same things come congruent in okay. different subjects. It's, it's, it's yeah. why are you overeating? Well, the fact of the matter is I don't love myself. And those are like the real surface area things yeah. that people are trying to mask. It's like, you don't need a new workout routine. You don't need a new diet. You really need to address all these different things. Yeah. Um, my question off of that though, is what role does journaling actually play in the practice for you? Because I think that that was really uh, a fabulous note that you made. Okay, I like love you that you did research. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're the you're awesome. I'm giving you like two thumbs up already. <laughs> um, so so for me, this is what I mean. I think people are so busy and they're so busy doing all the tasks that they have to do and checking off their checklists and going to PTA meetings and like blah 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 busy busy activity that they are not paying attention at all to their internal dialogue to the stories that they tell themselves. And all of those words that we tell ourselves really drive our emotions and our behavior. Mm -hmm. And if we're not aware of them, we can't challenge them. You know, I, I think we're aware of probably like 3% of what's going on. And there's this whole like kind of 90% under there that's, that's there. And that 90% is from past our past stories, what people have told us, what society tells us, traumas, triggers. I mean, all of it. So, you know, journaling to me is the greatest form of self-care because it's slowing down enough to be insightful. To, it's, it's paying attention to yourself, really. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I always talk about in relationships, how can you expect to pay attention to somebody else when you're not even paying attention to you, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You're the, you're the most important person. So, um, you know, I know even for me, if I don't do my own journaling, I might get to a point where I'm like, God, and you know, as an entrepreneur, you have high days and low days, you know, it's like, and I'm like, why am I in such a funk? What is going on? Why are the, my mindset exercises not working? And I will just sit down and just write and write and write. And, write. and then I'm like, of course, this is why I'm feeling this way. Look at all this shit that's like lurking around in there, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't know it was there until I actually spent a moment to pay attention to it. What are maybe like a few writing prompts or exercises that either you find helpful for yourself or that you find helpful for clients? Um, so it's journaling about events that have happened. I do a lot of, um, you know, let's write a letter to your future self. Let's write a letter to that past self. Let's write a letter to you when you were a child um, and you had that trauma from a parent figure. So um, it's, it's basic prompts, but even just sitting down and writing without any goals in mind, I think something valuable do, does come up from that. So I have a lot of my clients actually share with me their journal entries as we're going through our journey. Mm. Love that. Um, it's interesting because one of the things that people have had me do in the entrepreneur space is like, oh, well, what do you want? And I always found really, I was always found really driven by ego on that prompt because like my ego was like, well, I want these things and I want to have this success or whatever it was. And once I shifted the prompt to what do I see? Like, what, what do I, what do I see? That was really powerful. So I, I love the idea of at the same time, writing a letter to yourself. Um, and also in the past, that's, that's uh, something I've never thought of. So I really appreciate you sharing that. One question that I had is you make note of about four different habits or, or mental notes, and that's the all or nothing mindset, personalization, catastrophic thinking and, and mind reading. And I wanted to know if you could either 
expand on any of those and what that looks like for the person who's experiencing it in your in your process and what role that has in stopping people from moving forward oh gosh well, i know that's a big one so it's definitely <laughs> catastrophic thinking because i i mean here's the thing there's not a lot of good um social uh examples that were given about divorce, right? So most people in the back of their mind have a divorce story. And I know I did the same thing of, I just go hire a litigator. My ex is going to hire a litigator. We're going to be in court. It's going to be like Kramer versus Kramer, right? We're going to fight over the kids. We're going to lose our money, war of the roses. Like that's the story that our culture says about divorce, right? So they start the process often, most people with complete sheer terror, not sleeping, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be awful. And so part of it is just turning down that catastrophic thinking and helping people stay present in the moment. Because the reality is, is your divorce is going to be how you decide it's going to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, you can work with a mediator. You can work with two opposing attorneys who are actually negotiating together versus two litigators. Like there's all these different options. So it's really helping people tone down, down the anxiety so they're not going in, into it with this catastrophic mentality. Um, personalization is, is taking things, you know, it's all about me. Why are people doing this to me? Attorneys battle each other. That's their job. And I do tell people that often what attorneys engage in is a lot of noise. It's stuff that honestly has no bearing whatsoever on the legal process of divorce. The legal process is what is your parenting plan and how are we dividing our assets? So attorneys will do this thing of character assassination back and forth, which can cost people 10, 20, 30, you name it, thousands of dollars, because what their goal is, is to wear down the other party so the other party will give into the divorce agreement. That's it. And so I, you know, if you're going to personalize every attack that comes from the opposing attorney's office, you're going to spend a lot of money in legal fees for nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not about you. This is how the legal system works. You know, some people come in and they'll say, uh, you know, I can't get in front of the judge until November. Can you believe this crap? Why are they doing this to me? And I'm like, no, it's, listen, you're part of a bigger system. It's not about you, you know? Um, child support is not calculated because of you. <laughs> child support is calculated because it's a formula that does not have a little wiggle room. So it's really just kind of, again, it's keeping the emotions in check to help people think logically through the process. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, enough, you know, uh, all or nothing is like, you know, it's either going to be my agreement or nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not leaving anything on the table. I'm not giving it anywhere. Well, so when you do that, guess what happens? The judge either makes a determination or the attorney's making a determination. So what you do with that all or nothing thinking is you're giving up control over your power in the divorce process. One question that I had as, as I was coming to the space is one thought that I had while you're going through that is what advice do you give for, to people who are experiencing really difficult times with the actual process? Like, it's it's hell like it, it's it's a, it's a difficult process and it doesn't seem like there is actual end what what advice would you give someone who's in that space so a lot of it is don't forget self-care um i actually encourage my clients to take a break from thinking about the divorce because the divorce process can be quite long it can be six to 18 months typically so you know i'll say to them on sunday don't even think about the divorce <laughs> you know go for a hike spend some time with friends but don't be talking to your friends about the divorce that doesn't help you um but emotionally taking some breaks um 
exercise, eating well, getting some sleep. There is a huge correlation between divorce and job loss, car accidents, and sickness. And because of the people are stuck in that hypervigilant mode. So it's how do you take care of yourself? It doesn't have to be big ticket items, but in a way that you're still uh, physically taking care of your body. You know, every talk about fitness and wellness. A lot of people talk about the divorce diet, right? People lose these extreme amounts of weight as they're going through the stress of the divorce. Well, it's because they're not eating. Mm-hmm. And that's not actually the best way to be losing weight. It's also yeah. not, not, it's also not good for you mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, so it's it's really encouraging self care, um, encouraging some breaks. Um, you know, realizing it's I tell people it's a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're gung ho and ready to be divorced, it's still going to take some time, and it's still a process that you have to go through. Absolutely, I love that. That's really great feedback. One, actually, I had two questions that came from my audience. And one question was, how do you resolve conflict and rebuild after a divorce? Between the couple? Yes, it's someone who's on on the experience again. Um, So, I mean, I actually will work with the other party too, by the way. (laughs) I call it my come to Jesus meeting. I will bring the other party in and say, and this is what I actually do. I, I, ask, I ask them to bring a picture of their children. Mm-hmm. And I put that picture on the, the table and I talk to both of them. And I ask them, I say, do you guys hate each other more than you love this person in this picture or these people in this picture? And that usually is a mind changer for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's how do we rebuild from here? So sometimes it's creating, um, particularly in these high conflict situations, it's creating a communication strategy where the couple's able to focus on the business of parenting um, and not engage in anything beyond that. So there are apps that people can use like Talking Wizard, um, or sorry, Our Family Wizard and Talking Parents are two of them. But we create um, a communication strategy for them so they're not just kind of going at each other left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's even Tuesday at five, you're gonna call each other and Fridays at six, you're gonna call each other. It can be that concrete. Um, I think it's, for a lot of my people, it's not necessary. It's not. Nece- it's about forgiving the other person, but it's also about forgiving themselves. Mm-hmm. Because people are so angry with themselves. If there was an affair, how did I not see this? How did I not know that my wife was a narcissist? How did I not know that he or she was spending all of our money gambling? So people tend to beat themselves up. And in order for them to, for, to move on, to be healthy co-parents, they have to forgive not only each other, but also themselves. Um, remind themselves about why they got married in the first place, that there are good parts about your ex. They're not all bad, <laughs> you know? Most people don't get married to people who are 100% bad, right? <laughs> yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> so, but it's helping them re- remember that that's, they, those people are still there, you know? Um, it, but it takes time. A lot of it is time. I always tell people that usually a year post-divorce, people are, are doing better. Mm, that's great. That's, that's powerful too, uh, especially being able to set up the rules. Um, like I said, like, and I, I, my intention with having this be a focal point of the podcast today was not, from my standpoint, offering any tangible value in this setting because I, I am not married. I've never gone through a divorce, but I have clients who have experienced it. And I think that the ones that have the most success are the ones who have 
clear distinctions on like what are the rules what are the things that are happening exactly so i know i know one of the things that i always talk about is sometimes people get divorced and they still want to hold on to the good parts of their ex so part of it is like yeah that can't happen anymore <laughs> do you know what i mean it's it's new boundaries you guys are each responsible for your own lives your own adult separate lives and that does mean giving up everything about your your ex on some level you know, you're, you can't expect your ex to come over and mow your lawn every two days because that's what he used to do and you want him to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, he has his own lawn to attend to. <laughs> <laughs> one, uh, one other question from the audience was, how do you go about sustaining or mending friendships and family post-divorce? Aha. Uh -huh. So, um, definitely friendships take a dinger when you go through divorce. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I know for me, I was hanging out with, I divorced when my daughter was young. And I think I, you become sort of like a warning bell to married couples mm -hmm. and people tend to reject their own stuff, right? Maybe there's their own fear of their own marriage falling apart. Maybe there's um, a somewhat quiet desire for them to get out of marriage. Maybe, you know, it's, it, it can become like a threat to people. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I always tell people the story about like five years post-divorce, I was at a cocktail party and uh, one of the moms came over and she's like, oh my God, Kat, she's like, you have this alternative lifestyle. It's so crazy. I've been watching you on Facebook. And I was like, what, what's so alternative about it? <laughs> like, like I work full time. I bring my kid to hockey. I do teach at the gym, but I'm not like doing anything crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but it may, it just gave me an insight as to like how some people's saw a divorced woman as, you know? Um, so, I, you know, I, I think the goal is really to find a new tribe of people, which is why what we do is we host community events once a month. Um, like I laugh because all my female clients, they all hang out. Like they'll text a picture of them in downtown Boston. There'll be 20 of them. They're like, hey, Kat, we're all hanging out, meeting hot guys. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, because, you know, it's, I think people feel really alone going through divorce, even though there's more of us than there are married people because over 50% of first marriages end in divorce. So you really need to create a new tribe, a new tribe of friends. So my other single mom friends, I wouldn't, I would not be here and surviving as a parent if I didn't have them. Mm -hmm. um, we help each other out of jams. We help each other when one of our kids is sick. We help each other when one of us doesn't have enough money to like make dinner on a Friday. You know, it's like, come on over. Well, I'll help you. Um, so that's, it's creating a new tribe of friends. Mm -hmm. Meetup is a great place. Um, and, and going out and doing things solo. That's the other thing. I, when I got divorced, I started like kicking some serious ass. Like I traveled <laughs> to Costa Rica. I started hiking the 40, the 44,000 footers in New Hampshire. Um, I took surf lessons. I was like doing shit. I would never have done mm -hmm. pre-divorce. Pre Cause I was like, I'm, I'm sick of waiting around people. I'm going to start doing it. And in the process of doing that, I've met hundreds of like new friends. So it's been awesome. As far as family goes, <laughs> um, you don't get to pick and choose your family. So um, I typically what you see is families um, are supportive or they're not, but even the ones that aren't supportive, they tend to come around once they see that you're okay. I think at the end of the day, your family members, you know, they, they just want to make sure you're all right and that your kids are all right. So they're going to take your, their cues from you, mm. you know? Love that. That's very yeah. powerful. It's so um, even this morning I had a session with a woman and she's like, 
Well, I feel like when I walk around that, you know, she's like, I, I, I do this like little like, oh, I'm, I'm divorced. And I was like, really? Because I go around and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm divorced. I'm a single woman. <laughs> you know, it's, but again, it's how you internally feel about it. It's what is going to happen and be projected out into your life. So. Well, I think it's interesting too, because you say, you said at the beginning, it, it's an identity shift and to be okay with your identity changing and and maybe perhaps it's it's rediscovering yourself beyond from everything else yep i'm gonna ask this kind of selfishly but what advice would you have to people who are getting ready to get married um i asked that because my so my, me and my fiance are getting ready to be married oh congratulations um, thank you so much um and and to be honest i, I know like from my age demographic, it's interesting because most of my clients are actually 40 to 50. Yep. But most of the people who engage in my content I find are kind of in the middle. Um, but what I see is there's actually a lot of people who are stuck in this cycle of getting engaged and then getting unengaged and, and not necessarily having really solid foundations for wanting to get married. Right. And so what advice would you give someone who's thinking about getting engaged or getting married or, or they're at the beginning process and they want to make the best relationship that they can have in that. Oh my gosh. Well, I could go on and on. Again, I think <laughs> feel free to. <laughs> but again, I think a lot of people in general get married for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of fantasies associated with like, you know, I keep telling people, I'm like, I want to kick Disney out. Like just get rid of them because I think it's, it, it produces this, fantasy of I'm going to get married, you know, we're going to have the house, the kids and life just gets better. And, but it's, that's not reality. And I think part of it is helping people realize that a marriage is really work. You asked me, how do I know if a couple should stay together? A couple should stay together if they both decide they want to stay together and they're willing to put in some work, they're willing to put their ego aside and they're willing to make some change. Anybody can get through anything if you're willing to do that. So I think part of it is just educating people to the reality of marriage. There's going to be days where you like hate your partner. <laughs> There's going to be days where you hate yourself. Like that's just part of life. That's going to happen inside marriage and outside marriage. And like, what realistically can I expect emotionally from the marriage? Um, I think part of it is just knowing yourself, knowing your own triggers from your childhood, because we all have them. Um, because what is it that I bring to the table? Mm. You know? What's my soft spot? What's my vulnerability? Where, what's something that I need out of this relationship that's going to help me heal? And a lot of times people don't know that. Um, you know, I, like I used the example of I was working with a couple where the husband's um, dad was a teacher at a, at a university and had given him all these old books. And so his fiance cleaned out the books and threw them away because she thought they were just musty old disgusting books. And he was devastated. And now they come into counseling because do you know what I mean? They're not just books. Yeah, absolutely. They're memories, their heart, they're, they meant something so much more to him. And it felt like a betrayal that she had done this. So again, it's getting past underneath the behavior to what is really going on here. So, I, you know, I, I think it's that it's awareness. I will say there is not the financial incentives to get married today that, as there used to be. I mean, that's the reality. A lot of women are working. A lot of women are out earning men. Um, and the divorce rate is actually going down, but the only reason it's going down is because millennials are not getting married. <laughs> it's not because there's less divorce, actually. Um, so, it's, yeah, the, 
that opens that happens up a whole another fascinating conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just, it's, it's just interesting because um, I've had so many conversations with people. So, and I don't say this out of a crass, but I feel like I have a really good relationship, mostly because there's a lot of things that go wrong, and we have the self awareness after dating for a pretty good amount of time to come back and be like, okay, what was that actually? Like, what was, what about that thing was actually bothering you? And I see it a lot in a lot of my other friends that they, they're not connecting. They're like, oh, well, if I just get married, like, well, she's a really good mom. She'll be a really great mom. And it's like, that's not like, that's not a recipe for success. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So I want, so this has been like a rocket ship. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to segue though. Um, and, and actually I had, I did have one more question from the audience and I'll ask that before we go into like more questions about you. But one of the things that, uh, that someone brought up is how do they make peace with, with themselves and find happiness after Again, so like I was saying, I think it's forgiving yourself. Um, it's forgiving yourself for even getting divorced because a lot of people feel so guilty about that and that keeps them stuck. Um, I think it's redefining their lives. Um, I think it's realizing that you're going into the unknown and that's also an opportunity for you to create something that's just for you. Um, I have one woman who always was an artist, but her husband, and she was married for 40 years, her husband never supported her as an artist. He thought it was, you know, foo-foo and not something that would make money. It was fruitless and she wasn't very good and all this and that. Well, now she's showing in coffee shops, you know, and she's living the life that she always wanted to. So it is a, it is a great thing um, if you take advantage of that. Some people don't. And that's what I mean. I, I've worked with people who are, I'm not kidding, 10, 15, 20 years post-divorce, they are still stuck emotionally um, about, in the divorce. They're still stuck there. Like, how dare he do this to me? Um, I was such an idiot. I invested all these years in him. I can't date. That's the other thing. A lot of people hold themselves back from dating. And I don't think that's, I understand that for a while while you're grieving. I don't think you need to be doing that five, 10 years post-divorce because everybody deserves companionship in a relationship. So... Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's got, it's, it's creating boundaries for yourself. Um, it's knowing yourself better. I do believe that all of our relationships come to us for a reason. I'm not super religious, but I am spiritual that way. And I think that often our relationships are there to teach us something about ourselves. Mm, you know? yeah. Like even somebody who's in a relationship with somebody who's narcissist. Well, often a lot of my women, you know, I, I always say this, I think trauma, people go one or two ways, you either go the empath codependent way, or you go the narcissistic kind of way. And those people come together because they both understand each other. They've both been triggered or traumatized in their early life. They're just dealing with it in two very different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, so the code, the codependent and the empath needs to learn how to verbalize their needs, what their needs even are that they are of value going into a relationship, not just in what service they provide to their partner, but just in who they are as a person. And for a lot of those people, that's life-changing to even think that way. Yeah, it sounds, it, it, I think the biggest thing is getting comfortable with yourself. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's being able to just, it's, it's funny, I was talking to somebody the other day about meditation. They're like, oh, well, I can't meditate when I drive. I was like, you could literally just shut off everything. 
and, and just be there with yourself. And that, that's its own process of connection. And so that segue, I can imagine, takes a lot of mm-hmm. self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I wanted to segue and lighten the mood a little bit. Um, and again, I'd like to end this way just because I really think it's powerful for people to understand you more. And so my two questions are right now is, what is your superpower? What is your kryptonite? <laughs> what is my superpower? Um, I, I think my superpower is um, probably that anybody feels comfortable talking to me. <laughs> um, I'm kind of the person that can walk into the grocery store and like five people come up to me and tell me what's going on. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty good at kind of, I'm really good at uh, picking up on people's feelings, you know? So like, I can almost, I, I don't know if it's empath. I don't want to say I'm empathic, but I definitely am good at um, kind of feeling what people are feeling. So, you know, a lot of people come in, they're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm great. I'm like, no, you're not, what happened this week? And then then the tears come down. Um, So I guess probably that's one of my superpowers. Um, My kryptonite, kryptonite. So I'm very, very open. And I think I write, as you know, I published a book a few years ago. I'm pretty open about my own codependency struggles and I always tell people I'm like hey listen I have I know for myself a fear of abandonment I know that about myself I'm aware of it now I wasn't aware of it in my 20s I wasn't even aware of it when I got married Um, but my fear of abandonment led me to my marriage because I was in a relationship with somebody where I was the breadwinner I was the caregiver to our child I was I made all the decisions I was and you know what I was in control and I, and that attracted me because I felt like this guy would never leave me as long as I kept doing all that shit. So I eventually burned out, right? Because nobody's meeting my needs and I'm not verbalizing my needs. So, but that's always in me that little bit. And I know even as an entrepreneur, I have to keep that in check because as you know, it's very hard being any kind of coach when you're a people pleaser, mm. you know, and I really have to constantly check in with myself and make sure that that's not what I'm doing. Because you can't help people if you're just people-pleasing. Yeah, true. Then you'll just be telling them, you're doing a great job all the time, and they're actually making really horrible decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that's absolutely true. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah. Um, What, if you could relive one day in your life, what would it be? Oh, gosh, I have so many that are like, I have a bunch of things flashing through my head right now. Okay, so probably this was pretty amazing. (laughs) When I was a kid, I was a dancer growing up. I danced with the Boston School of Ballet and I went to performing arts school. Um, And so I know this is like so long ago, but this is what's coming to mind. I'm just gonna share, no filter. Um, So I won a dance competition and, and I represented the fabulous state of New Hampshire and went to LA and I was on a TV show and I got to take a dance class with Paula Abdul and um, meet some of the solid gold dancers. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was super young, but I felt like a superstar. That's sadly what's coming to my mind right now. <laughs> that's a good one. I think that's valid. I think that's very valid. Um, what is one of your favorite challenges that you've overcome? Um, so... It's a lifelong process. Um, I definitely was an anxious kid. 
and an anxious person. And when I got through my divorce, um, I started to say, there's all these things I've wanted to do in my life that I have not done out of fear. Mm -hmm. I started to realize I was, I was basing a lot of my life in fear. I thought I was this like badass chick, but I actually wasn't as badass as I thought I was. Um, and so I started, um, and again, it was part of it was fear of being alone, right? I'm a person with an abandonment fear. I was like, I'm going to go out and, and do all these things that I have been terrified to do, and I'm going to do them by myself. And, and I've been doing them. And I, it just, it was a learning process for me. It was hard, but, and I still have to face my anxiety. You know, like every time I go hiking, there's at least one or two moments where I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm going to die on this one by myself. Um, but that's been my thing. It's like not letting anxiety hold me back, not letting it dictate who I am. I do not want to be somebody, and I'm not being dire, but I refuse to be somebody who's sitting on my deathbed saying, oh my God, I wish I had done this and that. Mm -hmm. And definitely as a single woman, I'm not going to let it hold me back. I travel by myself. I, I just go to rock shows by myself. Like I just do shit by myself. <laughs> that's, that's bold and brave. But it's pushing through anxiety. I had to really learn how to push through it. I love that. That's, that's powerful. What is, what advice would you give yourself 20 years from now? 20 years from now, like in the future, um, probably trust the process as you know, I am trying to, um, get this divorce thing in a way where I can reach as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, like I was saying, being an entrepreneur, I think you have, you know, it's like this, it's like, Oh, things are going great. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> um, and I think part of it is, uh, I want to be able to look back or in the future, look today and say it's worth it. Um, there's been, you know, as you know, there's many times where I'm like, what am I doing? I should just go get a full-time job somewhere. This is kind of crazy that I'm doing this. Um, but I think in the future to look back and say, you know what, you've helped a lot of people. Um, you've empowered a lot of people. You maybe put a ding or two into the divorce system and trusting the process that you'll get there. Love that. That's powerful. Yeah. And it takes a lot too. So I, I think that's a great one. Before I ask my last question, where can people find out more about you and what are some projects you're working on? Absolutely. So my website is catlakecdc.com. It stands for Certified Divorce Coach. Um, and what I just launched, which I'm so excited about, is my first online classroom series. So it's eight modules. Um, each of them are about 30 minutes. They're mostly done through expert interviews with people in the community but it's helping you get through the divorce process. And then that way you have all of this information and you can watch and rewatch it in your own time. So uh, we cover legal, we cover real estate, parenting, dealing with high conflict, self-care, uh, how to financially get back on your feet post-divorce, avoiding the six most common mistakes of divorce. Um, and the reason why I came out with that is because, you know, it's hard for people who are going through a divorce to be able and, you know, to think of paying for a coaching program. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a price point where people are able to get tons of information and watch it in their own time. And with that, they also get enrolled in our online support community. So they're part of a weekly support group. Um, so that just came out. I just launched it a couple weeks ago. So I'm super psyched about that. That's great. And um, one of the other things, interestingly enough, is um, a lot of people come to me for dating coaching post-divorce. Uh -huh. 
Mm. So I've been doing more and more of that. And um, I'm actually in talks with some people as far as getting a, a local dating service going. That's wonderful. <laughs> people post-divorce. Yeah. So it'd be a combination of like an online and a matchmaking service. So. Very, very cool. Yeah. And I'll make sure um, to get the link for your core or the course. And oh, yeah, so it's right on my website. If you click on membership, that'll bring you right there. Yeah, I'll make sure that that's in the bio too. Okay. Um, and my last question is, what's your one rule for life? My one rule for life? Just do it. <laughs> like, I, that's Nike, I know. Um, I, I do, I believe that. It's like, you have an impulse, follow it. Mm -hmm. If you're curious, check it out. Don't keep, you know, keep, staying stuck is a choice. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. And on that note, I'm going to leave it there. Staying stuck is a choice. Yeah. Well, so thank you so much, Kat. This has been wonderful. I feel like, I feel like no matter who dives into this, you're going to find a tremendous amount of value. And it's clear to see that your, your heart is in the right place and that you're doing a lot of good for the world. So I'm really grateful for you coming on. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you. You're so, easy to, you're so easy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've done, a, I've done a few podcasts where it's like, <laughs> well it's good it's it's the coaching <laughs> we're, we're good at this yeah. so thank you all and just remember that the journey starts with you take care awesome. thank you have a great weekend Thank you for tuning in today to My Journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram story so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwitz.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.